Hello and welcome to the Body Talk podcast. I'm Alina Jenkins and in this series we're looking at ways to help you with your communication skills, with your confidence, with your mindset and general well-being, whether that's in your business life or at home. Now in the last year most of our business interactions have been online and we've had to overcome a number of challenges to do that effectively but it's also created some positive moments as well. If, like us, you have clients all around the world, then we've been able to connect with those clients more frequently, whether they're in Sydney or New York or or Tokyo or Dubai. We can speak to all of them in a morning without ever having to jump on a plane. So what we found is we've been able to reach more people more often across more countries in a much shorter amount of time. But of course, dealing with lots of different cultures and countries also starts to throw up some difficulties. Can we be sure that we're always communicating in the most effective way? Is our message being translated effectively? Because if we get it wrong, at best, there's just a misunderstanding, but at worst, we could offend someone, maybe lose a client or disrupt a relationship with a colleague in another office. So what steps can we do to make sure that our messages are always landing in the right way wherever we're delivering them and wherever in the world so that our clients and our colleagues always come away from interactions and meetings with us feeling engaged and feeling motivated? To help us with this, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Desta Hiley. Now, Desta is an international consultant with many years of experience in intercultural communication. She's worked with global relocation companies and helped clients from Amex, from Coca-Cola and from Pfizer. And her work has taken her to over 75 different countries. Desta, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Alina. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. You're very welcome. It's lovely to see you. I'm just thinking, Desta, that your passport must be very well stamped. It it is all of them. There's been a few passports. I've run I've run out of a couple. Um, so not so much in the past year, of course. But uh, before then, yes, yes, teaching work, uh, consulting work, music work really helped me see quite a lot of the worlds, which I'm grateful for. So I'm really intrigued, Desta, as to how you ended up in the field of intercultural communication. Well, the first time I heard about it, it was a course at International House in London in Covent Garden. So I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. My family comes from a lot of different cultures. I've traveled a lot. I've grown up in in a few different places. So let me check out this course. So I think it was maybe a one week course at International House. And um, I loved it. I couldn't believe it was a job. It seemed really like a, a natural choice for me with my background. And uh, it was really interesting. It helped me start to put kind of a vocabulary and framework together around what I, um, in many ways, already was quite familiar with. So that was about the, that was the first time. And I can't even tell you when that was, 2003 or four now, I guess. Um, so that was the first experience. And then it was a, a friend I made who worked at Communicate or Crown, a UK company. And then I joined CETAR, which is an association for people who work in intercultural work in the UK. And um, that's how it began. I started learning more about it. And I remember applying to places and, and they would say, well, you have a perfect background for it, but you don't have much experience yet. So maybe try and get some more experience and then apply again. 
um, in training because my my background before was in teaching languages mainly and theatre. Uh, so that's how it happened. And then I went to a CETA conference in Estonia. And when was that? 2013, maybe. Um, and then I really connected with lots of different people, lots of different companies, BGRS. I saw um, a poster up for BGRS. So that was the first time I got in touch with them. And it's with it's through them that I've done the majority of my consulting work. Mm-hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. So explain to our listeners, Dester, why you think that intercultural communication is so important for businesses. I think it's really important because it's about giving relationships the best chance. So I think it's very easy these days to think in this big globalized world we live in, we'll all understand each other or, you know, we all have English as a main language, business language, or we have the same Uh, norms and expectations. I think it's really easy as the world gets smaller in many ways. Um, So I think it's important. I think it's just a a sign of respect, really, uh, that you're taking the time to understand your own biases and your own um, maybe preconceptions. And that's hard to do if you're in it and you're surrounded by it and, uh, you know, you're your immediate surroundings kind of are very similar to yours. So I think it's just a sign of respect to take a good look at ourselves and our our businesses and who we're working with and just showing that curiosity, interest, openness and awareness that we, we're all different and there's nothing necessarily better or worse, just how to get a better understanding and make sure that wherever we are in the world, we're able to communicate with openness and respect. And and it's so much more than just a business transaction. Mm. It's about building that trust, building that confidence, um, building that ease of communication as well. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, is that it's, we can perhaps sometimes forget because we're speaking with someone who, who speaks the same language and perhaps speaks it fluently and brilliant, brilliantly is that mm-hmm. we, we think, you know, we, we, we come from the same backgrounds, but those different backgrounds can make an enormous difference to, to how we communicate, to, even to how we say hello, I guess. What are some of the, the mistakes that you see people making most frequently in your consulting work and perhaps some of the misconceptions as well around this? I think... Um... Because in many ways, English is so dominant in the world as a language, um, you know, main business language in many respects, or um, our media is so kind of, you know, Western dominated. I think people can just make assumptions quite easily about um, ease of travel, for example, you know, ease of travel, ease of visiting different places, Uh, level of English, fluency, references, media references, leadership references. I think we were, it's only now maybe slowly in the past year that people are starting to really look at and question our own preconceptions, education. Um, So I think, yeah, a main, um, something I see quite a lot is people just making assumptions of you know, uh, Western-based thoughts or um, 
theory or references that it's just far more universal than it actually is. So, you know, oh, do you know this building in London? Well, no, I've never been to London, actually. And uh, But it's just a kind of center of the world. I guess most places, um, you know, are given this feedback. Many places are given this feedback that their city, their culture, their language is the center of the world, but perhaps not as much as the West and English speakers. And so just... Yeah, I guess people don't always come out of their thought bubble, let's say. So, yeah, just too many assumptions made, which is why I think intercultural training is great because so many people think if they've had the opportunity to travel, then they automatically understand other cultures or they automatically know a lot more about a culture than they do from just from having visited um, so yeah, I think it's just good. It, it shakes up our, it shakes up our, our point of view, our view of the world. It makes us question things that maybe we didn't before. And I think just, um, opens us up to more interesting conversations and, and relationships. And think about what you're saying there, Desta, as well, is, is sort of, you know, thinking about thoughts and references, but that can also apply to things like a slide deck and maybe images that you might show in a presentation sure. or meeting. And you might have built that slide deck uh, based on a certain audience, maybe based on a Western audience. But if you're going and delivering that presentation, say, in the Middle East or in, or in India, is actually a lot of those references, as you say, people are going to go, actually, I don't connect with them. or Actually, I don't even like them. Mm, yeah, exactly. So I think that's important. You know, people can, can we do it automatically. We make so many slides and so many PowerPoints and so many, you know, we don't necessarily think about that. Like, oh, so we're using this president or we're using this uh, media person as an example, but how is that media person or that leader seen in this part of the world that I'm giving this presentation to via Zoom uh, today? So I think that's very important. Um, because, you know, a leader who's loved and respected in one part of the world can be a tyrant in another part of the world and, um, or just the next door country. So I think it's, it's, you know, people have a tendency of, oh, you're in the same region, so you must all be like this, so you must all be like that. Or um, it's sometimes people forget how nuanced even, you know, one country can be, one from region to region. So I think it's just, yeah, it's just really questioning ourselves and, and uh, putting ourselves in others' shoes. Yeah, that's a really good point to make, Desta, because often, it, it will, of course, we understand there'll be massive cultural differences, say, from, you know, from the East to the West. But can you, can you have those, those big cultural differences from, from country to country or sometimes even maybe within a country? I'm thinking somewhere like the United States where you've got, you know, all these different states and, and you know, cultures can change and ideas perhaps within a matter of, of you know, 100 miles. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'd say even from neighbourhood to neighbourhood um, in many cases. I mean, having lived in London for many years, I know south of the river, north of the river, west, like they all have their own um, vocabulary and customs and thoughts about the people who come from that neighborhood or this neighborhood. Definitely. I mean, my background is, is British. My mom's from York and uh, my dad's Eritrean from an area called Kalogzai. And within, you know, there's, there's stereotypes about Yorkshire people. There's stereotypes of 
people from Akologzai region in Eritrea and, you know, people say, oh, you're, ah, you're like this. Or people automatically make assumptions. But I think it's really interesting with culture that there isn't particularly a definition of culture. Um, so when I'm training, you know, that's one of the questions I lead with, whether it's with kids or with with business people. Um, what is culture? What does culture mean? And there's pretty much thousands of definitions because it's so hard to define and it's so much and it, it, it influences everything we do and we don't necessarily realize until we start having these conversations or these training sessions. Um, I mean, families can have their own cultures. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. I think, it's, I think at the beginning when um, intercultural training first became a thing, and depending, of course, who was leading it, I think it could be very, people from there are like this, people from there are like this, which I don't really like at all. I, I really see training much more of a conversation and uh, looking at all those layers and nuances. It's fascinating to me, really. Desta, can sometimes people get it wrong just the very first moment they meet someone? Because, of course, greetings can change quite a lot from, from country to country, culture to culture. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm quite interested to see how the whole COVID situation will have impacted how we greet each other afterwards, because we'll, I don't think there'll be any more shaking hands or one kiss or two kisses or three kisses or, or whatever it was before. Um, but yeah, greetings. You know, many languages have inbuilt um, levels of respect in how you address somebody. So that can be awkward. Some countries have two. Some countries have, some languages have eight uh, versions of how to say you according to, am I older, younger, more important, less important? Um, so definitely, definitely. And I, you know, we can't get everything right. Mistakes happen. It's fine. But it's establishing, A, I believe, um, the willingness to do some research and to get it wrong and to and to make an effort to correct things and get it right. Um, so, and, and be just to, just to show that you've put in that time and interest into learning about the other person and, uh, and yeah, bringing that awareness, I think, showing that, showing that willingness to connect in the best way possible. Desta, a lot of what we do at Body Talk is, is teaching body language and how mm -hmm. to increase your impact through body language. And we've been very careful to do this to make sure that, that all the techniques and tools we use cross all cultures. And so nobody's going to be upset um, by, by sort of the body language choices we suggest. And we've been very, very careful to avoid some certain aspects of body language. Is there anything that sticks out for you that people have to be very careful about when you're thinking about body language as to what they should and shouldn't do if they're unsure as to how you know as to whether they could offend someone or not hmm um I think if there's any doubt and if people are nervous then that's just something best avoided I mean I think it's it depends but you know if you're unsure to go in for a handshake or if you're unsure to I would rather kind of make the mistake of, on the side of showing too much respect than on the side of showing not enough. So that would be my kind of rule of thumb, I guess. It's better mm. to show, oh, to go overboard. I mean, I've had times people correct me like, oh, you don't need to use, oh, senor, with me. I'm not that old. Or 
you, you don't need to use vu with me. It's fine. Or yeah, I'd rather make the mistake of being too respectful than not enough. Yeah. Um, we were speaking to some clients in India a couple of years ago and we were just talking about this idea. Um, but things like sort of thumbs up and like the OK sign can actually be sort of fairly offensive in sure. some cultures. Not, not offensive, but you, you might get the wrong impression because I think thumbs up in India is, is, is actually a, a, a soft drink. So in some areas of India, if you put your thumb up, it means you want to go and have a drink. So it's, <laughs> you, you might well get, get the wrong impression. Um, the, other, the other week, Jess, we were working together, weren't we? And, and on a, on a, with a French client, you were doing brilliant work with the translation. I was trying to help you by um, just using Google Translate to translate some of the documents. And I thought, actually, it seemed to work very well. But do we need to be a bit careful with some of these online transla translation tools? Could maybe something get lost in translation? Sure. I think as soon as you start using, you know, more colloquial expressions or idioms or that can very quickly get lost. I think they're getting better. Um, Google, I use DeepL quite a bit. I find that better. Um, but sure, it can, it can get lost. Also, sometimes I find if I'm translating from English to um, a language with a gender, sometimes the genders get lost or, you know, two of the words will be okay, but then there'll be another word that they didn't correct. So I think it's always best to, um, yeah, have, have a native speaker look over it or, or your translator interpreter, not just to rely on Google Translate. Um, if you're working in a big organization and you have several languages, then I think, you know, just for a quick email, it's fine if you don't have the time and it's an internal email to just put a note saying, um, FYI, I've used DeepL or Google Translate to translate this, you know, please forgive any small mistakes and let me know if something's not clear. So I think they can be helpful to help an organization kind of run smoothly internally um, just to get a quick email out here and there. But for a presentation, I don't think it's safe to rely on them solely that's for sure mm. it's definitely improved over the years uh, and if i know someone who, who's who now lives out in france uh they're a friend of a friend and i was speaking to a friend I said oh you know do they do they speak french and and she said no no he just relies on google translate which i think is probably not the way to go if you're about to immerse yourself in the country uh, you certainly sure. want to try and lose you you know learn the language as best as possible sure. but it's certainly come a long way from you know even three or four years ago i think it has, and I haven't tried these. There's these like little in-ear things that now can translate twelve languages or something. I haven't tried them, um, and they're great and they're fun. I guess if you're traveling somewhere for a few days, um, but I hope people don't feel that you know that means they don't have to try learning because there's so much from. I think anybody interested in intercultural communication, the best thing you can do is study a language because a language is a it's a vehicle for culture, you know. There are so many things you can't translate because that's not a cultural concept in your culture. Um, so I think learning a language is a really wonderful way to approach another culture and also kind of shake a bit your your certainty in your your own culture. I think it's it's wonderful. Learning a language really brings so much more than just that language teaches you about the history, it teaches you about the culture. So Desta, if you wanted to maybe just give a, a few key tips to our listeners to take away from this podcast as to how they can begin to improve their intercultural communications, 
What do you think those might be? I think, you know, we're lucky we have so much online, um, you know, so you can do, you can find uh, quizzes online. I've used Culture Wizard before with VGRS. You can find quizzes. Um, you can start to to read up on, you know, cultural thinking from your part of the world. You can start to just see what you agree with, what you don't agree with, Um I'm not sure if, if International House are, are still running the course that I took, business cross-cultural training. Uh, but yeah, I would. I'm, I run workshops and for people who are interested in, in learning more about it as well. But I think really reading, there's some wonderful TED Talks on conversations on, you know, what home is, what culture is, how we form those ideas. So for me, I really recommend just starting to research. And if it's a, a particular country that you're, you're interested in, I would highly recommend trying to learn even, you know, the basics of the language or read up on, on the history of the language. Um, and, and music, I find, is a wonderful way to approach a culture as well, because within the music, you have the language, you have the style of music, where did that develop from, you know, what other... What other styles is that connected to in the world? Um, yeah, I really find as a, a starting point, that's wonderful. Language and music really help you start to learn. And looking into, I mean, you can study cultural communication, intercultural communication for years and years. But looking into short courses, workshops, TED Talks, and yeah, starting to question your own biases your own what shaped you right and that's that's hard if you're still surrounded by that but really just starting to look at ourselves before we start uh, investigating other cultures looking at our own whatever that may be Desta every time I speak to you I always feel inspired just to go and learn another language and start immersing myself <laughs> in different cultures but thank you yes. so much for joining us pleasure thank you for having me and thank you for listening. Of course, you can find out more about our podcasts, our courses and our blogs on our website, which is ukbodydork.com. Until next time, goodbye.